Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. تبعكم بالاوهام وانا ببني بالاحلام كل شيء عندكم لبعدين شوفوا انا وين انتوا بعكم بالاوهام وانا ببني بالاحلام كل شيء عندكم لبعدين شوفوا انا وين بينيت روز سيك has her roots in senegal she is telling her story as a black girl in sweden She did have strong female role models at home and she eventually found her career path. Today she is working at EVA with different projects mainly focused on getting foreign born people out to jobs. Hi, welcome to the podcast Resan Hit, Benet Rose Sek. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you? I feel really good today. I'm a bit nervous, actually. I think you were nervous when we were recording in Swedish. And this is the first time we recorded in English. So I'm a little bit nervous. That makes me feel so comfortable. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, how, how's, you, how's your day been? It's quite hot here in Stockholm, actually. I mean, it's lovely when it's the summer time in Stockholm. In so many ways, because you don't have to peel off all the onions coming in and out of the office. And I just feel that people are very well dressed. They always have, you know, the nicest uh, clothes and summer dresses or the coolest shoes. I saw this reggae guy, right? I shouldn't call him a reggae guy, but he had dreadlocks really cool suntan he looked super swedish <laughs> so yeah there are things so he was like blonde he was super blonde blue-eyed uh you know tatted oh, cool. and everything but he looked like a guy that you had dipped in uh caramel or something <laughs> he had the coolest dress code so ne- next yeah. time you have to take a picture yeah and when it's winter this is crazy that uh, you know i don't even notice what people wear in winter time because it's too cold Man, and everybody's wearing cold. coat and it's quite dark colors and everybody's just running in and out buildings nobody's like really looking at each other exactly i mean you're so uh self-absorbed it's like what are where are my hands right now can i feel my nose <laughs> uh my god my eyelashes I think they're stuck together or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. When it's summertime, it's like, oh, who are you? Where have you been? <laughs> oh, I love your dress. Yeah, <laughs> cool everybody shoes. looks so relaxed and like a little bit cheeky and flirty. And mm-hmm. it's in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Or is that only in my head? <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it just, uh, yeah, I love the fact that you, the, the way you said it felt like, It's okay to do it now. No, yeah, I, no I didn't say that. I didn't say that. 
I'm the married one here. Oh, oh. Okay. <coughs> Sorry. And I can't even say cut because it's my husband who's cutting it. <laughs> okay, okay. Now we're just off-tracking, Bnet. Let's, let's just start as we usually do in this podcast, yeah. which the name is translated is Your Journey Here, actually. Yeah. It's a Swedish name. And uh, uh, you will tell us about your life and your journey until... Here we are standing today, and perhaps we will also hear some of uh, teasers from the future. Okay. So, Bennett, tell us, when and where were you born? I'm born in Stockholm, Huddinge Sjukhus, in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 1981. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm I'm. Getting accustomed to it, I don't know, previously when people said, okay, how old are you? I would be like, oh, I wouldn't say the age and I would rather say I'm born 1981 because it sounded so super young. Yeah, because in the 80s could be 89 also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then people would say, okay, 80s, oh, early or late or... <laughs> so anyway, um, I was born in 1981 in Stockholm, but we left uh, when I was a couple of months years old and we went back to Senegal because I was very ill. I was born with uh, problems with my lung or something. One of the lung size was super, super uh, decreased. Mm-hmm. So you would say that one of the lung size were, were a size of an orange and the other one was like a drape. Yeah, or you know, or another fruit like uh, I don't know, strawberry. Different sizes, not good. Different size, not good. Very ill, so we went back to Senegal. So, well, what? What? Why would it be better for you to be there than in Sweden? Is it better medical care, or they didn't think I would survive, so they didn't want to bury me here. That's, oh, that it was that serious, and they kind of wanted the family to get to say their goodbyes or something and then what happened was my grandmother she just took me on and took care of me uh she kept giving me really good wholesome food uh because they you know obviously they don't have any pesticides or stuff like that they don't have um I don't think they have the money for it, even back in those days. So just really organic, natural food, that's uh, how I survived. And I've been giving it a lot of thought because, you know, what would have happened if we never went back to Senegal? Um, You know, what would have happened to me as a person if I had never had to grow up in a family with uncles and grannies and, you know, because... Mom and dad are from two different, you would say, uh, levels of the society. My father is more like a bourgeois. Oh, what is that? <laughs> a Sounds wealthier very... part of ah. a society. And then mom is from, uh, you would probably say that it's, um, I don't know how to call it, a lesser um, level of a society. And the thing is, mentioning this it it just gives me uh, an idea of what people think of india that there are different levels of the society and depending on where you are you would have uh, a higher level of life or um, you know you would definitely tend to have a different type of quality of life right but whereas in senegal we don't have that we don't have the different levels of society in that sense we would rather have you know the poor side or the rich side that's it and then in between you have tribes and depending on which tribe you you belong uh, it definitely sets a path on is it because you can actually get married in between the tribes or levels mm-hmm. uh uh, and you can like move from one level to another, but in India, you, that's not that easy, I guess, mm-hmm. without knowing too much about it. Mm-hmm. Is it is it maybe you're not locked in your level? I would probably say that it has. Uh, it's very strongly tied to politics, politics in India, uh, but whereas in Senegal, it's more tied to history. 
and traditions. Mm. This is what you should do, you know, the norms of things. You should marry this type of tribe or you should uh, have this sort of an education or you should this or you should that. It has nothing to do with politics at all. So, so was it, was, yeah. Sorry, was it a big thing when your parents from different levels married each other? I think it was a big thing, yeah. but they never made it to seem as though it was. Uh, it just felt very natural to be part of a huge family, right? My mom is the oldest of 12 siblings. Wow. And she was the first one to uh, have a degree, a university degree. And I'm, I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't given her that much props for that because, you know, Uh, the journey she's taken on is, can you imagine, you know, the, the old pictures you have of Africa is this woman, a dark-skinned woman, almost blue-skinned, right? And she's carrying something on the head. It could be food, it could be fruits, it could be anything. And then she usually has a child on the back or something. That's the most traditional picture you have of West African woman. My mom was one of those that carried water on her head. Uh, during her school years and then not even have it she didn't even have enough uh, electricity and she didn't have the means even to go to school she had uh, aunts and cousins that would contribute to her growth and uh, she went from that state you know all the way through a university degree and she was the one that was prominent banker back then by the age of 23. So I think wow. there's That's something impressive. in her story that is just amazing, not to mention that her mother, my grandmother, is analphabetic. Wow. That's, so, that's a big journey. Mm-hmm. So why, how come your dad uh, and your mom went to Sweden at the first place? And when was that? My dad had actually experienced Sweden 10 years before I was born. Or even more than that. You know, a couple of years before, in the 70s, he came to Sweden from Paris as an engineer. He followed uh, technology. He was very interested in, you know, what the next step in tech was, uh, how well-developed uh, mechanical engineering was back then, automation, rob- robotics, that kind of engineering. And so I grew up with a father that was very, very prominent when it came to technology. And that's the reason why he chose Sweden. I do make jokes of it (laughs) a lot in his absence. I do say, you know, to people that he probably heard the wrong uh, city and called, you know, uh, country. He probably heard Swiss and not Suede. as you would say in French. And so uh, the joke is someone in his class said, okay, who want to go to, who wants to go to Sweden? And he's like, Swiss, yay! <laughs> I want to go to Swiss. Pick me! <laughs> I speak the language. Oh. And he ends up in Umeå, Stockholm. And people are like, hey, Umeå, do it. <laughs> Because he was speaking French. He was speaking French. He spent 15 years in, in Paris. He left Senegal as a 15-year-old. So uh, my father, when I was 14, he said, you're ready now. I mean, I left Senegal when I was 15. You're 14 and I trust you. So you need to go to the States. So I went to Miami and I spent four months alone. And people were like, ah, you know, uh, she's probably in Spain. (laughs) My classmates didn't really believe that I was in Miami. But it it changed the trajectory of my life. No, that was Miami, Miami. But Sorry, Harlem Miami, was Har- Miami, or I mean Harlem was four years after that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so four years prior to Harlem and New York and Central Park and that phase of life, uh, it was actually Miami that introduced me to U.S. And I think it, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, in love with the states when I first went there I was actually in love with Japan so I would sit in the libraries and study Japanese and the Japanese culture I was very very fascinated about that and the technology of Japan I really was just uh, amazed have you now been there no the sick thing is 
uh, it never became Japan. I went to China and I lived in China instead. So I came back from China uh, a little over four years ago uh, because my uncle, he's, you know, he lived in China for 19 years. Where in China were you? Shanghai. Shanghai. And so imagine Shanghai 19 years ago. I mean, it was, uh, you know, not the China we know of today at all. So he saw the growth of, you know, that society going from zero, basically, uh, to this high-tech, highly evolved society. So I wanted to go there, and I wanted to experience that. And people said, there aren't any Africans in China, which was total bull. Yeah, it is. My God, it was like New York all over again. What? What's going on? People from all over Africa were in China, were in Beijing, were in Hangzhou, in Tsinghua, and all of these amazing cities, right? So I, I loved every second of that. But we have to back up, actually, a okay. little bit. You were you were living in Senegal for mm-hmm. uh, seven years, if I remember it right? My first seven years was uh, based in Dakar. So... <laughs> and this is quite interesting because when I was two, um, the earliest memory that my father has of me is, uh, you know, me going to school uh, because I started talking early. I'm a talker. <laughs> <laughs> so I started talking uh, early. And back in the 80s, they didn't they didn't have the, the different levels that we have, like doggies. And then you go from doggies to first school and that kind of thing, you know, from kindergarten and on. But uh, they had school. So as soon as you start talking and you have the privilege to go to school, that's what you do. So I learned how to read and write when I was way too young. So I would come back home and teach my brother everything that I had learned from school. So that is his earliest memory of me. So he kept saying throughout my, you know, youth that, you know, he thought I was going to be a teacher. Or he he did think of me uh, being or having a connection to academia in one way or another. Cool. And we we have to mention that you were the only child leaving Sweden quite I mean you're the first child mm-hmm. so when you went back to Senegal you didn't have any siblings but then uh, you got siblings in Senegal yeah your brother my brother is born in, in <coughs> Dakar uh, he's the best brother in the world is he listening uh, probably not but he's like uh, he's the kind so of he guy he is the best brother yeah man <laughs> he is actually the kind of guy that I talk about in his absence as well as uh, the the greatest one of the greatest teachers I've ever had uh, you know apart from my grandmother and mother father and all of that my brother has taught me tons uh, and if you ask him there's only one and a half year in between us but it's you know, technically it's two, so it depends on who you ask. Very important, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I have a sister. She was born in Sweden, um, and she came like seven years later. So there's a seven-year gap between us. So tell us, how come they went back or your parents moved back uh, to Sweden after seven years in Senegal? There was a conversation between them in how do we, you know, where do we settle down for the kids' sake? And for their future. Um, because, you know, Senegal has never really been uh, a country in, in Africa that have had uh, wars or anything like that. So it, it's a safe country to live in, even these days. Uh, it always has been, even, you know, during the time my mom and dad were growing up. But um, something was... Uh, happening in Europe back then. My father didn't really want to move back to Paris because the the Sweden we know of segregation, integration, those kinds of issues we have in Sweden today, that already existed back in the 70s in Paris. So my father saw that as a negative trend for his children. So uh, he was like, there's this country, you have to see it, just see it. So uh, mom came with him and they've they just got stuck 
<laughs> they got stuck. Was I mean, it summertime? <laughs> you no, know, wintertime. And, you know, all of my, grow, you know, growing up, I've heard that this is the last year, Bennett. You know, just don't feel too comfortable. We're going back next year. This is the last year, Bennett, that kind of thing. So I, I never really got to separate myself completely from Senegal. Because at home we were speaking Wolof. Uh, we were listening to Yusundur. We were listening to, <laughs> do you know? <laughs> we should listen to him. Uh, there were so many, you know, the walls at home and everything that I knew was home was connected to Senegal in one way or another. It, I mean, it was very much of an African home that I grew up in. And, and everything, was that in Stockholm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Yareva, Tiensta, Tiensta, Sponga, Sponga, Tiensta. That's north of Stockholm. It's a suburb uh, area north of Stockholm. Exactly. And we lived just uh, in front of Sponga IP, where Yareva Veckan yeah. had their event just the other day. So that's how I grew up. And it was quite interesting because at home, We were Senegalese. It was very much African home. Uh, you know, mom and dad were the rulers or something. So the food, the music. Everything. The food, the music. Every conversation we had even at home was about technology or Africa. How how did it look? Uh, I mean, I, I have a lot of memories and I've been talking to my guests a lot of time about, you know, the moments when you bring home friends. And uh, depending where you live and uh, where your friends are from, mm. there were some moments that you were like realizing, or me, I did anyways, mm. that, okay, in my family, it's different. You know, mom is cooking when I'm coming home. She's always cooking for like 15 people, even if we don't even expect <laughs> guests. <laughs> so when I grew up, first I thought it was a little bit maybe embarrassing because it was different mm -hmm. but when I grew up just to like high school mm -hmm. then the guys were like oh we want to come home to you because it's always good food you know we want to meet your mom so it was like from going from a bit embarrassing to quite being maybe not proud but that's where everybody want to hang out because uh, uh, there was the food and my parents were like or my mom was home at least and uh, and there were some other kind of kindness um in in i won't say kindness that's wrong but i have <laughs> generosity I have, maybe yeah maybe and i have like swedish ethnical swedish friends who at, at this at a grown-up uh, age are speaking about or telling the stories about when you're going to a friend's home when you were little you had to sit in the bedroom their bedroom and wait until the family you were at had their dinner and then they were like I'm coming when I'm ready. When I had my dinner, and the parents <laughs> didn't invite them in, yeah. and I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've myself been in that situation. I don't, I don't think so. But uh, absolutely not when coming to our home. That would not even happen. I mean, uh, my parents would be a little bit like annoyed if we would sit in my room and close the door, you know. Mm. So, um, so do, do do you have those memories from your home that you bring home friends? That uh, you felt like, okay, we are listening to different music than what they are doing. Or did you have that? Oh, yeah. But I do share that experience that you just said that, um, you know, some of the, the friends' families had a different culture when it came to food. You just don't share it with other people. And you would sit in the bedroom waiting for them to have their Did dinner. Did you have that? Oh, yeah. But, you know, the beauty of being, you know, growing up in Tiensta Sponga back then, I mean, I had neighbors from Turkey, uh, Ethiopia, uh, Eritrea. I mean, the family that I uh, basically grew up with were Eritrean. <coughs> so I knew the Eritrean anthem. Eritra. No, I'm not gonna sing. Oh my <laughs> god! I always I didn't do. Even go there. Every time I tell the story, I just hear the song in my head. So I knew their anthem before the Swedish anthem. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. So uh, we had Turkish. I had Turkish friends. I had Eritrean friends. I had Greek friends. I had friends from Chile. Uh, all of my Chile friends. <laughs> 
Is that even Spanish? I don't know. And then... Hola, my Swedish. Yeah, kind of, kind of. And um, I don't know. I had multi layers of uh, cultural experience. And the reason why I'm saying multi-layers rather than saying multicultural is because the layers were age, you know. There was uh, gender. There was a life experience. Some of the friends that I had, uh, they came to Sweden because of wars in their you know, homeland or whatever. And some others, uh, they were born in Sweden, but they didn't grow up with a father or a mother or both or whatever. So there was multi-layers of experiences. And that made me focus less on the differences we had. I had some friends where I would sit, sit in their room waiting until they had eaten. Other friends where, like Lena Ai, Adaison, uh, from Syria, her mom would cook food for 25 people and there were only like five people in, in, in their house. And they would force me to eat. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, you would eat until you die. <laughs> and then she comes out with tea and you're like I want to go home. <laughs> and save me. Yeah. And uh, you know Helen from Eritrea her mom was the best. She would always uh, want me to experience injera and everything they had and we would eat with our our hands together with everyone. So the multi-layered experience made me focus less on the differences we had. And that kind of saved me because in school, uh, everything was completely different. Because our teachers wanted to, uh, they really wanted us to understand that we, that we were different. I had this teacher as early as a nine year, when I was nine, and he said, uh, Binette, you know, on the performance review that you would have with your mom and dad once a month or once every quarter or something, you would go with your mom and dad to school and then you would have a performance review. Utveckling samtal. Yeah, yeah, you still got that. Cool. And I was nine, I think. Nine and eleven. Those are the ages that I remember the most. Uh, because I had this teacher that kept saying, you know, Binette, she's a sweet girl. She takes care of everybody. She's like a second teacher. She helps out. She mobilizes and organizes the the kids. I'm a kid, okay? And he would say, but I can't give her the best grades because she's a girl from the suburbs and she's a black girl. Uh, you know, she's not Swedish. So but which obviously, was that? That, that was man. not the school in the suburb. Yes, it was. It was. Mm-hmm. So even the teachers, oh, that's that's amazing, though. And that was the sadness, you know, because in our class back then, we had maybe 50% were Swedish, and the other 50 was multicultural. And uh, outside of school, my life was multicultural. Not only did I have uncles living in China and Japan, I actually have a, an uncle who, who, you know, he lived in Japan for 30, 37 years or something. Uh, I've had family members from all over the world. That's the reason why I went to New York and Miami. My aunt lived there. And so I had already experienced uh, a multicultural life, uh, very international. When it came to religions, it was multi-layered. When it came to languages, when it came to the experiences and all of that. So I, I didn't really have a, a box of mm, this is how you should live your life and this is what you should believe in because I knew that there was difference in it. It was very diverse already in my life. But but still you didn't get the highest grade because you were not having the right ethnical Because I background. wasn't Swedish. But and that's like- not only not Swedish, but being a girl from the suburbs, not, you know, having parents, immigrant parents or parents with a different uh, culture or and uh, country. So the the strange thing is that it was accepted people were like yeah yeah that's true so you should you should fight three times as hard as a swede you know that was a, an anthem that we had yeah. Yeah. Uh, growing up so and that literally 
um, it could have destroyed me if I didn't have the other balance. Because what, why I'm mentioning the dis, you know, it could have destroyed me is because you become this uber ambitious girl. And when it becomes accepted, you forget who you are. That no matter where you're from, no matter where you live, no matter how old you are, no matter how you decide to live your life, you're worthy. You know, that's how we should teach our children, especially in the suburbs, that no matter how you look, you know, and where you're from or whatever, you're worthy. You're worthy to dream as high as you want, to dream bigger than you can even imagine, because there's a difference between imagination and dreams. How do we do that? Just I mean, don't mention the differences. Welcome it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Don't tell me that, that, that we're different because that's a fact. There's no one like you. If you look at your index finger, this is a fact. I mean, there's no one that has the same index finger than, than you. Or scientifically, there might be, but there's very few of you. So you're already unique in who you are. Uh, and the DNA that you're carrying is very unique than anyone else's. But if you keep telling me that you're very different and the reason why I can't um, place a thought in your head that you're worthy is because you're not like those guys. Or the, the reason why you have to be super duper ambitious is because you're a girl. Or the, the reason why you, uh, you have to move out of the suburbs as soon as you can is because the people in Estemalm and all the other places have a better life. So if we would just teach the kids that you're worthy already and remind them of that, the difference between us should be your character. And, you know, we know that the character should definitely be put back in to the way we speak, the way we think, the way we behave towards each other. If this is a cool person or not, depends on the character rather than it depending on who you are, uh, where you were born, where you live, where your parents are from, or the skin tone you have. That shouldn't matter. And I'm not talking about idealistically. I'm talking about surviving, wanting children to survive and wanting to have a society based on young people that really believe in themselves and want to be part of a society and build the society rather than being destroyed. This is very interesting because me and you have been discussing this before and I was talking about that uh, I wish that the information of the choices you have in here in Sweden, it's, I mean, uh, to start with the choices we have, it's amazing. You can study at the university with actually no money because it doesn't cost anything and so on. 
I'm not sure that everybody knows these choices. And you told me, well, that is one thing, but it's more complex than that. It's that they have to feel that they are worthy, exactly what you're saying now. And I've been thinking about it. And you're right. It's 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 kind of a two-step uh, or actually three-step maybe. But being being having the information, but also this buffet of choices is also for you. You can pick anything. That's um um. I think we have we have uh, we have a bit of work to do there. I, I'm not sure that we are there yet. What do you think? Do you think that those teachers that you had in the suburb at that time are they are they having the same mindset? as they had back then or do you think while we are speaking here today are they saying the same to another black nine-year-old girl who's actually should have the best grades like no sorry you're actually not Swedish you're not the same blah 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 or is that change you think oh man this is a good question I would love to elaborate on that Um, let me get back to it (laughs) Because what I want to mention is that um, I can give you an example. When a young person, uh, you know, independently of how they look, where they're from and the gender they have and where they live, just being young is hard enough. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And then on top of everything, you have good examples of how you could live your life. Because talking is super cheap. I mean, us sitting here talking is wonderful. It's such a privilege, right? But being a teacher as well and and talking about uh, what a young person can do and cannot do is one thing. But what actually reaches the soul of a human being or the hearts of young people are good examples, So if you get a if you get an example of how well off you will be as a rapper, as a as an artist, or as a footballer, you get examples of how you can live your life as a, a singer or a dancer or uh, as whatever. It is the examples that you carry with you. Like man, people that look like me are doing this. Then that is what I should be doing. That speaks loud it it i would say it's even louder than what i would say to my kids so what we should work on is creating as many good examples as we can so that people would say hey i people that look like me can become entrepreneurs they can you know save the world people that look like me can become presidents of the world people that look like me or have similar backgrounds and similar complexity as I do, can, um, you know, choose whatever they feel like. Uh, Because growing up, what I had was, and what I constantly heard was, uh, girls like you uh, are really good singers. Girls like you are really good dancers. Can you dance for me? You know, whenever we had... uh, uh, you know, the end of the year, the sum, just before the summer break, I would always get the question, do you want to dance or do you want to sing? <laughs> sure. I never got that question. <laughs> it's tr- And that's the, the, that's the crazy thing because they would assume I that... Really suck they, they would assume that a girl that looks like you are really mm. good at those things. But I would have appreciated, looking back, if they had asked me, would you want to be a speaker at the graduation? Would you want to... Uh, take the school to the next step and actually build it because I was part I, I took part in building it in in the beginning but uh, help us to grow help us to define the curriculum help us to you know reach other people from other states to come and study in Spongatensta you know so that we can have a more cultural multicultural layered educational system so Uh, good examples do speak loud. And th- that's why whenever I, s- I, I see a young person, no matter where they live and where they're from, I tend to ask them, you know, what do you think of yourself? Uh, because the opportunities exist, but what do you think of yourself? And how can we uh, change that thought and influence you, inspire you to think beyond 
whatever you have in your mind. Because uh, if if I when I do meet young people saying, but I think engineering is quite cool, and I would love to work in you know within the technology field. I hear that there are tons of uh, opportunities, but that's not for people like me. I hear that all the time. Still, oh, oh my God, all the time. And because uh, the the question you asked, I'm sorry, the question you was, do you do you think that uh, teachers still say things like that? I think that teachers uh, need to create and help create better examples. Because even if you have the best teacher saying you can be anything you want, and then you don't have a good example of what you can become, then you, you know, I mean, you have a big gap between the idea and the actual reality. But uh, and then, of course, I know that we have teachers that say, um, "Well done, I'm going to give you an A on this, but you know, you won't get a job anyway." Or, well done, I'm going to give you an A in everything because you're the most ambitious girl and they would lift you up in the school and you would feel like you have the entire world in front of you. But when it comes to looking for a job, I'm sorry, your last name is, it's not good enough. You know, you were an A student, but sorry, you can't get into this school because we don't have people like you going to that school. Or at this company or what. To be fair, me so, and you are quite the same age and we didn't have those good examples that you were talking about. Or we had, but it was like quite, quite few. I, somebody that we both mentioned was Alice Bakunke, one yeah. of my old guests in the Love pod. Love her. Love her. Love her, love her, love her. Totally. Yeah. Have a crush, a big crush. <laughs> yes. um, but she was she was actually um, on, on TV for a kids show like Disney something and she was the first or for me she was the first black uh, girl or woman on 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 TV that you saw back then in the early 90s was mm-hmm. it yeah and then uh, i think <laughs> it's a lot of people who mentioning her is it's funny and i think she can she can carry it um, alexandra um, uh, pascalido Oh yeah, Alexandra is was like the only name came coming up when we were talking about Rinkeby. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's yeah? true. <laughs> she was like everybody knew she was from uh, Rinkeby, yeah. and, and uh, she but she was the only profile, you know. And she's she, she's a strong. I love her too. Mm. She's 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 lovely. But uh, what I'm saying is, back then when it was we were talking about these suburbs and this uh, these areas, the only person they were inviting was her mm. and know nothing more but today that has changed a little bit i think with us as a generation of like second or whatever we are being called immigrants second gen- generation of immigrants it's it's more names it's more um variety of people and mm-hmm. looks and are, are you are you with me on that or yes I think what you're mentioning is ah oh, it's such a wonderful conversation. It I have is, to pinch it? myself. <laughs> I I do. I love the questions you're asking and the 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 perspective that you are inviting me to. Uh because it forces me to reflect. And what I remember from those days as you mentioned Alice Ba and Alexandra um I remember that we still didn't have those types of minds those types of uh, amazing individuals and women in all fields i mean it was you're welcome to media you're you're very much welcome as an artist you're very much welcomed uh, you know when it came to TV and all of that. But when it came to actually being part of a steering group committee or a board member or a manager, those were lacking. Long way to go. We still have a long way to those go. Those were lacking and actually the thing is, here is the interesting thing. If you're a child and uh, a grown uh, I would say um, a young adult uh, having big dreams as I said, you will definitely look beyond tv you will look for it everywhere i remember when i went into um oleans uh or i would go to ikea 
I would go to all of these different places as a consumer and I would like as a crazy person look for it. I would look for people that look like me in positions uh, that I would respect or something like uh, who 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 is the cashier? Was it a woman uh, or was it a, you know, a, a male um, did that person have a different last name? I was very attentive to that. Um, Aren't you still? Because I am. I still am. And because to me, I felt like if there was diversity where I am expected to consume, then I am included. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's how I thought when I, you know, growing <coughs> up. And I would choose schools sometimes or to attend events or I would literally attend a situation and I would look for who is the teacher and, and how much does the teacher know about cultures and different um, perspectives. And I would literally, I would fall in love and I still do. I fall in love with people that are tolerant uh, and that are curious and they would never be out to get you just to know, okay, you're from Senegal. Now I know the box I should put you in. But more like, mm, what type of perspective are you coming with? And how can we include your perspective to whatever it is that we're doing, no matter the age you have? So meeting a teacher that would say, oh, I think you have a different perspective here. That would be the teacher I would fall in love with. And the school and, the, you know, the teaching, the curriculum, I would do anything for. And the same goes for consuming a product or a service where I feel included. And I think sometimes we overlook that when it comes to market and how we market certain things. We wanted, we wanted to look and seem as though we were a big Benetton family, you know. <laughs> On the posters, you'd see people from Asia and Africa and people from Middle East. And, you know, you would, uh, you would be so happy to find someone from Iran. And you would be like, Salam, khubi, khuba, merci. <laughs> you know? No, I just do... <laughs> just joking. But I don't. on the inside, there's nobody. No. That looks like you. So it just becomes a poster from the outside? That doesn't make any sense. And I think a lot of companies haven't even come to the poster. <laughs> it's not even there. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm from an engineering, uh, quite white male kind of companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, starting at a company or sitting in some kind of conference or whatever... It's like, do I see anybody a little bit darker than why? Mm. Uh, any ladies? Any girls? Mm. Nothing, still. And it's 2019. Mm. So I think we have a long way to go, actually. But we're working on it, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we all do, I think. I think, I, to be honest, our generation is... Uh, I'm happy to see... I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me, and her friends talking about... Or my guests in the podcast who's talking about some stuff that I wouldn't even dare to to even think those thoughts. Mm. For them, it's like, no, I say no thank you to this because I can see that they don't have any, like you say, I I can see that they don't have any, this kind of, uh, they don't have any diversity in the teachers. Why would I take even that course? I'm like, wow, I wouldn't even think that (laughs) at my time. Mm. I wouldn't even dare to think that. I mean, we have come some, some, and I hope with our daughters and with our children, we have even come even further. I really hope so. But I'm coming to a oh. question. Question: You want to say something? <laughs> I want to give you an example. Sure. I love examples because this is the whole thing. I mean, we can um, we can talk about and we can talk about inclusiveness and. Um, you know, segregation all we want, but it's the good examples that go straight to the people's hearts. The year after I came back from U.S. as a 14-year-old, we were expected to do internship, Prao. And uh, 
the advice I got was, okay, you should get something uh, in Tiensta Centrum or <laughs> like you, you should... That's the like mall in your area. Yeah, yeah. A, in a mall, in a store. There are tons of stores that want you to work there. I mean, you can apply to anything. Uh, you can really become anything you want, but there are stores for you. Oh, okay, if, if anything, I was like, anything? Then I want to become a doctor, I think. <laughs> <laughs> During two weeks of internship, you know, and she's she laughed just the way you did. No, she was like, <laughs> no, uh, that, you can't no. do surgery. <laughs> no, no, Binette, no. I mean, come on, you haven't even read the first introduction course of medicine or anything like that. Uh, you don't. Uh, I mean, you're too young. Come on, you know, you're too young. It's such a high risk for you to work. Uh, at a hospital but I was like but I'm 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 uh, I'm interested in Karolinska uh, and I think I'm gonna apply and she says but that's not for you that's not for you so what I did was I called them I called Karolinska as a 14 or 15 year old right that's so cool and uh, I was speaking to someone that was like, I don't even know how to help you. I've never gotten that question before. But let me connect you with someone at a department. So she connects me with this nurse, a random person again. And the, the nurse says, oh, ah, I guess internship. I've done that. We have people that do internships. So you would probably need a tutor or a, or a supervisor. And I think there's this doctor that could do it let me ask him oh, and you need to go for a you know 10 days medical introductional course but you'll be the the youngest there for sure and I was like a young grandchild <laughs> of all the people but let me let me confirm with the doctor first and I will give you a call back she calls me and she says you're welcome to attend the medical course you have to go there for 10 days and we will only accept you for a month is that okay so i went back to school and they were like karolinska universitetskrukhuset are you sure did, did you actually no this is not for you i went there oh, so and cool. the doctor said uh in order for me to take you in, you have to be here 5.30 every morning. I was there 4.45 every single morning. And I followed him. My first experience as this meanie doctor was for two 14-year-old girls lying in bed because of anorexia. I was feeding them every single morning. And, and it you were humbled 14 yourself, me. yeah? It humbled me because I was the same age. And in school, all of my friends were talking about, I'm too fat, I'm too da, da, da. I'm too dark, I need to lighten my skin, I need to have the braids, you know, I have to change, I have to change, I can't be the way I am. I'm not worthy unless I change. And there I am feeding people that could be my friends. And they're fighting for their life. I went back to school and it, it totally changed my life. It, oh my God. God, it changed my life. I get chills thinking about it. Actually, those weeks are so important. I think there are, there are for some kids, for me anyways, it was the first time I saw a Swedish company, you know, from inside, not only label, how it works, how do they have meetings, how do they... Um, so it's, it's so important. And we kind of come to what you are working with today, those internships... Please tell us. Um, well, first I can tell you why I, I've chosen to work with the things that I have chosen to work with. It, and it does go back to the, the time at Karolinska when I was only 14 or 15 year, years old and this cleaner lady from Ethiopia, uh, because I was dressed as a nurse, um, and I had the badge and everything. I was so proud. Uh, and I would just walk through the corridors and she would say, please do more good for you and for the next coming generations. Uh, pff, thinking about it just makes me cry. Uh, 
So today I'm working with internship services or, you know, internship programs, rather, for youth through Techniksprunget and for newly arrived academics through Jobsprunget. So it's four months of internship and you choose where you want to work and what you believe in because through Techniksprunget you have a good chance to become an engineer and through Jobsprunget you have a really good chance to get your very, very first job experience within your own competence in Sweden. So for a newly arrived academic, it takes five to ten years to get a job in Sweden. And through Jobsprunget, we're talking, we're looking at, uh, you know, just after four months or, you know, maximum ten months. And you're actually managing this for, um, it's not a company, but it's... You want to tell us? Yeah, I uh, I work at the Royal Swedish Academy of Engineering Sciences. It's a very long name for EVA. And uh, we run these two internship programs called Techniksprunget and Jobsprunget. And it's it's been the best um, job experience. It's been a, a learning path, definitely. But I can link it to the little Binet the one that had a dream and someone said, you can't do that, that's not for you. And just really uh, practicing what I what I believe in, not only for myself, but also create that possibility and opportunity for others. That's lovely. And I have to ask, if, if, you, if one wants to come in contact with you or just uh, follow your uh, amazing journey, how, how, do, how do you do? You can definitely contact me through uh, LinkedIn. It's Sec. That easy. And uh, then I also have Instagram. I recently got it. So it's Binet underscore R. R as a rose because it's part of my name. And you need to follow me, though, because there's this amazing project coming up. And it has to do with programming, entrepreneurship, AI for Africa. So coming That's up. so cool. I will follow you. Or I'm actually... I'm following I'm already, you. I'm already following you. <laughs> <laughs> Binette, it's been lovely to have you here in the studio. And do this in English. I was a bit nervous, but you, you have such a calm and lovely era. So I'm just... I'm okay now. <laughs> One hour of recording. I'm totally okay. But we're coming to my last <laughs> question, actually. Oh. Who do you think I should invite next to my podcast, Liasan? And it has to. Could it? Could it be in English? Yeah, sure. I have the person. But it must be somebody who's in the country. Oh. Is it somebody who's not living here? Are you giving me somebody across Atlantic? <laughs> Remember, I'm Iranian. I can't go to US. <laughs> Now she's laughing. <laughs> you cracked her up. Nema. Neda, I mean. Neda. I don't know why I said Nema, but that, that would be interesting. Nema is also a really wonderful woman. And she's an entrepreneur. But Neda. Neda. At Changers Hub. What a woman. By the way, I want to say thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you for your spirit. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for this opportunity to share our story and to listen to other people's stories thank you for giving us the opportunity to get to know you as well thank you for being there for all those little binets <laughs> lovely to thank have you. you here thank you thank you so 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 much ah uh, this has been a blessing Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.